This is All Rings Considered, a read-through of The Lord of the Rings with your hosts, Charlie and Pip. Uh, we are on book two, chapter eight, Farewell to Lorien. And since Pip loves this chapter so much, I do. I'm going to make him summarize the chapter for you. So it's a short it chapter. Pip. I have a lot to say. Yeah, so summary of this chapter, um, our company uh, awakens to being in Lorien again <laughs> still. Are they ever, are they ever <laughs> not asleep? I mean. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, no. But um, so, well, so in this chapter, the company is leaving Lorien, um, and it's really a chapter, just a slow chapter about their journey away from Lorien. They are given boats from Celeborn and uh, Galadriel, and they sail for a little bit down the river, and they uh, then meet up with Celeborn and Galadriel again, and they have uh, a little lunch, and they are given gifts, and then they they depart uh, from Lorien, and it, and it fades into the background. Um, and it's actually, it's yeah. a chapter that's very atmospheric. It's It's a really really powerful chapter in terms of the atmosphere that it creates an atmosphere of goodbye um, that I think is really touching. Mm-hmm. And I think the two big takeaways as far as things that will have an effect on the plot in the coming chapters are that one, they are now in boats going down a river. So that's going to set up the next two chapters uh, in the setting for those two. They are at a bit of a crossroads, or at least they're coming to a crossroads and they all know they're coming to a crossroads where they need to decide whether they go to Minas Tirith in Gondor or if they go into Mordor with the ring. Right. Um, and obviously, eventually, they, they all know the eventual goal is for Frodo to be in Mordor with the ring, but it's still a question of, does he go to Minas Tirith first? Who goes with him? Those kinds of things. So they, they all have that on their minds, and that's going to play a big part in the coming chapters, especially because Boromir, he's definitely going to Minas Tirith because that's where he's from. Mm-hmm. So he wants to go there, but he also definitely wants everybody to go. He's very much on board with that plan. Everybody should come to Minas Tirith, and we kind of get a little subtle, ominous foreshadowing as to why he wants everybody to go there. So yeah, we'll see that play out in the coming chapters. There's actually uh, a little bit of a nice Boromir foreshadowing when Celeborn is describing how uh, each member of the company is allowed to go the way that they will. Um, and he says, then they may return to their own lands or else go the long uh, go to the long home of those that fall in battle. And uh, Boromir says, as for me, my way home lies onward and not back. And so it's interesting that he's called out. First, home is described as being, you know, death. Um, and Boromir is the only one who responds to this and says that his his way home lies onward. Just a little bit of foreshadowing that he's about to die. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And that's when he later on is talking about why he thinks they should go to Minas Tirith here. He doesn't fully explain his position, but he does at least say that, look, it is a choice between defending a strong place and walking openly into the arms of death. In other words, going to Gondor is defending a strong place, whereas if you go to Mordor right now, that's just walking openly into death. And, of course, we know uh, poor Boromir is going to get it a couple chapters. So, But, you know, that's actually interesting to point out. I didn't catch that. Bordemir makes that choice, um, and he chooses to go into the arms of death oh, yeah. when he defends Merry and Pippin because he has a choice to defend them, and he has no reason to yeah. except for that it's the right thing to do. Um, Which is not happening in this chapter, by the way, right, for anybody but who's confused. Uh, we're we're talking about. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're just um, talking about the Borgia. Yeah. 
that's cool. We'll have to touch back on Boromir once we get to to his special chapter. Well, and I wonder. There's we've been talking in the last two chapters, and we're going to continue to talk about it here in this chapter because it is very much the theme of this Lorien sequence, this big three chapter sequence that we've been in. Uh, as if not the theme, of the whole book itself. Right? You live in a dying world. How do you respond to it? Boromir's take on it in this chapter is you retreat. He, you know, he doesn't see us retreating. He sees us going forward. But you go to defend a strong place. You don't just walk openly into death. We're going to see him then in a couple chapters reverse course on that. And he will walk into death. Makes me think, well, what's how do you respond to certain death? Eh, maybe Boromir is wrong here to think you should just retreat and like protect your your place and like use yeah. your force to try and defend yourself like maybe there's something else you need to do yeah because i mean so. that's what scaladriel is also doing actually yeah. i really like uh both the redemptive story of boromir and galadriel are very similar um in some ways or they both they both undergo a redemption actually yeah. uh which is a big theme big themes lord of the rings as well yeah just general redemption i guess like you see that a lot right like characters having to redeem themselves which is funny because I'm pretty sure every critic of this book tells me that the characters are super black and white and that are good is good, bad is bad. And yet all these characters have to be redeemed, which I think is uh, strange. I'm not sure how to reconcile <laughs> that obviously legitimate and good faith criticism with the actual events in the text. Hmm. So, huh. Uh, what do you know? Um, before we get too far in the weeds of, of redemption, I want to point out uh, something interesting in this chapter is the first chapter where Legolas and Gimli are now described as being fast friends. And I think that's, we see a little bit of that in Lorien. They start to like walk together and, and, you know, they're hanging out. But it's something about Lorien, because they've been journeying together for a while, but it's something about Lorien that after leaving it, they are now have reconciled their racial and cultural differences, uh, which I think is cool. Um, I think the way I look at it, yeah. I think, oh, you know, Lorien is this sort of experiencing the present and they have experienced where they have gone through just experience itself together, and that's what reconciles people, you know, in being able to be close uh, as shared experience. Yeah, for sure. Let's see. As far as other things, I know you have a lot to say about this chapter, as you said. Uh, so let me just quickly get a couple points out of the way, and then I'll just turn it over to you. Again, the theme, I think, coming out here in this Lorian cycle, as I call it, is the the theme that we we live in a world that is dying and is like doomed to die so that comes out here very clearly with a couple lines i just want to bring to everybody's attention one line comes from galadriel after she's given gimli uh the three strands of her hair which is a really cool moment maybe we should talk about that but in a moment she says i do not foretell for all foretelling is now vain on the one hand lies darkness and on the other only hope so playing with the theme here the world's dying like on one hand there's darkness and there's no great ending i can foretell for you here like there's hope but it's only hope Mm. there's nothing there's no definite good way this can end for sure so i like that line very beautiful and then i would say you know what maybe i should wait on the other line I want to point out. I'm going to save it for my favorite line. Okay. Um, well, just to set the stage for thinking about this chapter, I'm going to read a line that just really carries some of the atmosphere of being by that the river um, for me. And here's the line. 
As they passed beyond the green field of the tongue, the trees drew down to the river's brink. Here and there, golden leaves tossed and floated on the rippling stream. The air was very bright and still, and there was a silence, except for the high, distant song of larks. And I think that just this sort of atmosphere for this this chapter is just, I don't know, it's just perfect for the the themes that are being handled here, um, being carried down a river. That's one way trip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't, um, when do they, oh yeah, you know what? It kind of comes up with my favorite line. They're going to, the characters themselves are going to explicitly refer to the rivers, the imagery of them going down the river as far as this theme. And it's not even something you got to read into it as the reader. The characters will yeah. say it for you. So, <laughs> I'll get to that. It's part of my favorite line, so we will. I will get to that at the end. Well, let's um, um let's talk about Gladriel then. Gladriel is one of my favorite characters. Yes, Charlie, you know this, um, and too well, too well, perhaps. Um, I love Gladriel and I love Boromir <laughs> because they're both uh, characters that undergo this mm. this redemption. Gladriel's actually though is kind of a behind the scenes sort of um, DVD extra, you know, that you can get if you read uh, some of the yeah. other Tolkien works. But so Gladriel. In the previous chapter, she undergoes very obviously a test um, uh, for whether she would take the ring or not. Um, so she is, she says, oh, she's passed the test and she will remain Galadriel. But what the readers don't know, if you're reading The Lord of the Rings back when it was written, is that Galadriel was part of a group of elves that came from kind of the elvish heaven into Middle Earth. And in order to do so, they committed first murder. They elf, murdering elf. Um, and this was you know, a great sin. And they were, you know, they left their, you know, elfish heaven. And they, uh, it's not clear that Galadriel, um, in this whole mist of elves going back, you know, fading from Middle-earth and going back to their, you know, kind of afterlife, um, is allowed to return because she never has the sort of reconciliation with, with that. Um, and so I th- think what makes Galadriel so cool is that her choice for, like for rejecting the ring isn't something like oh yeah like i could have the ring and i could protect what i find most beautiful in the in the world and i'll have like my own you know my garden will live forever because it's the thing that i love or i can do uh i can do the right thing and then all of a sudden i'll be forgiven um because she has this line in her her song that she sings it's at the very end she says but if of ships i now should sing what ship would come to me what ship would bear me ever back across so wide a sea and that's revealing that she doesn't actually know that by doing the right thing, she'll be forgiven, which makes her choice all the more serious and uh, admirable. And so I think that's just, that's just really yeah. cool. She's actually like, she's a really cool character. A bunch of great lines come from her. She's Aragorn's grandmother-in-law, <laughs> which I always yeah. like, it's not, it's like, you can kind of tell if you like, you like draw out the, the family tree, but I think it's always funny. Like this Lorian trip is, is Aragorn. It's said yeah, Aragorn, here. Well, I mean, he, Aragorn he says it. it, like he doesn't use that yeah. word, but he says mother of Celebrion. I don't know how to pronounce this person's name, but mother of Celebrion. Sorry for butchering that. Who is the mother of Arwen? So, oh yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, there. it's there, but then, uh, but you get that right at the end. And so I think it's kind of funny in retrospect of being like, oh, this is a trip to his his in-laws. Be a great, a great sitcom potential here. <laughs> yeah. Aragorn and the in-laws. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, like, I love that Galadriel makes her choice and chooses what she thinks is right, even though she's not guaranteed redemption. It's very much, you know, I could say it's a Christian theme of, you know, let's say you have faith and, you know, in some sense you're, you know, quote, guaranteed you know, 
access to heaven if you you know are are, are saved but there's always this uh you don't really have that in writing in, or i mean you have that in writing but you don't have that it's not provable like in your hands but i, I just i like her her story there the backstory yeah and i think what's uh, neat to think about is what could you gleam about her backstory if you were reading this in 1954 i think that's when it was first published right uh 1954 you were reading this book you don't have the appendices yet those came in the third volume you're reading this what do you think about gladria like what do you come away with even without all that all that backstory and i do you still get hints of it and i almost think the hints of it are in some ways Hmm. more powerful like it's almost cool to not know exactly what it is that she is sort of needs this redemption from but just that she feels it and you can tell with her song right right? she she says that she sang of leaves of leaves of gold and leaves of gold there grew of wind i sang a wind there came and in the branches blew and she goes on then to say though while here beyond the sundering seas now fall the elven tears o lorian the winter comes the bare and leafless day the leaves are falling in the stream the winter flows away O Lorian, too long I had dwelt upon this hither shore. And you don't necessarily know, maybe if you're reading this the first time, what that means entirely, but you get that really strong sense of she is not in her original homeland, and she'd really like to go back, but something here has sort of stopped her. Yeah. And especially with this, the ship line, too, that you read, too, I think. I just didn't want to read it oh, again yeah, for yeah. <laughs> that really drives that uh, home. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that's my favorite poem in uh mm. favorite non prose in uh in the book. Yeah, it's definitely up there. It's a good one. While we're on the top of topic of Gladriel, I, there's something um I really like here. Uh it's the melding of like high and low through the character Sam. Gladriel's you know, um gift to Sam is just this great sort of combination of you know, writing rise in the prose for um, high language and just, you know, uh, kind of gut feeling um, that you can understand. And I'll, I'll give a tiny bit of their inter- uh, exchange. Gladriel says, Though you should find all barren and laid waste, there will be few gardens in Middle Earth that will bloom like your garden if you sprinkle this earth there. Then you may remember Gladriel and catch a glimpse far uh Catch a glimpse far off of Lorien that you have seen only in our winter, for spring and our summer are gone by, and they will never be seen on earth again, save in memory. And the description of Sam is, Sam went red to the ears and muttered something inaudible as he clutched the box and bowed as well as he could. And it's just very sort of like, ah, this huge lofty, you know, language about, you know, majestic places, you know, winter and um, it being existing only in memory. And... Sam kind of muttering to himself, you know, oh, thank you. And just like holding the box and trying to bow and like, uh, you know, it's just great. I love it. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I think before I have my final, final thoughts, the only other topic I wanted to bring up was the gift Gladriel gives Gimli. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets a very practical gift from Gladriel. Well, I guess not Aragorn. I guess Aragorn's is kind of symbolic. He gets this brooch right he gets the sheath um he gets the sheath he is he does get the sheath that's pretty practical that's true so he gets two gifts and really i guess one's more kind of like from our when more than anything anyway so whatever um gimli does not get a practical gift at all 
but he asked for this. This is the gift he asked for. And it's it's a really interesting scene. I think it's interesting that, one, Galadriel doesn't seem to have a gift planned for him. Yeah. That's interesting. She, she comes to him and says, in what gift would a dwarf ask of the elves? She doesn't have one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get one. Uh, he doesn't get one that uh, he doesn't ask for. And the thing he asks for is very impractical, very symbolic, right? So he asks for uh, one strand of her hair. And she gives him three which is a really cool touch as well. I don't know. What do you think about this scene? What's going on here? I think it's a, I think it's powerful. And is there anything more to it? Yeah, though? I mean, there's a little bit of, maybe you're leading me on. Maybe you know more than you're putting on, Charlie. Oh. Um, I would never uh, do that. Feanor, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Feanor, um, an, uh, an elf with a very long uh, backstory. He was the main character of a, a very old story before this time also asked Galadriel for a strand of her hair, and she said no. Mm. I mean, Farinor was a big deal. He killed Balrogs. He yeah. He uh, he was the reason why the, the elves came back to Middle-earth, or the ones that, that did come back. Yeah, and she said no to him. And so it's interesting, yeah, uh, uh, Galadriel's shift, because this is post-test Galadriel. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's that's interesting change in her character. I mean, it's yeah. she, you know she has a description too. That's uh, let's see. I think I think Frodo sees her differently. Um, yeah, after she gives him his gift, she he looks at her and he says he saw her again, standing like a queen, great and beautiful, but no longer terrible. Mm. Yeah. No. So absolutely, I think that's a huge deal and something Tolkien would have had in mind. But I do still also want to have us think for a moment about. What if we don't know that story about uh, Feanor? What's the, how do you say his name? I would say Feanor. I don't even know. Feanor. Could be Feanor, um, but if you say it quickly no, enough, really, nobody I... will catch it. <laughs> Good call. Um, about that elf. <laughs> if you didn't know about him, though, you're reading this again, 1954 or whatever. How do you take this exchange? I still think it would be pretty powerful. I still like that Gimli gets something that's symbolic and not practical and not like a useful weapon. Uh, and I think it says a lot about how maybe those things that are symbolic, not practical, actually are, in a way, practical. There is power, perhaps, in like these symbols. Right. Gimli says he's going to take it back and take the hairs back, that is, put them in a crystal and have it stand as this testament to relationships between dwarves and elves. And, hey, that's a practical yeah. thing. And um, it's a powerful thing. So... I think it's, yeah, I think it's just something that, uh, I think there's a comment here that uh, symbolic acts actually are very important and are just as useful for us on these kinds of treacherous journeys, whether literal or, literal or metaphorical, as actual practical equipment would be. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> That's a very controversial thing I just said. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so we, close we're to the end. Close yep. to time. We are... Yeah, we've had, I mean, a few long episodes here because these three chapters, though, we, we said this was, would happen. These three chapters are very heavy on themes. So um, let's start wrapping up, though. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. The chapter title here, not a fan. Don't like it. I'll give it like three. I'll give it three out of Three ten. rings out of ten. That's uh, three rings out of ten. Farewell to Lorien. What the heck? I don't know what's going on in this chapter. Don't like it. Not a fan favorite line it's i guess a sequence of lines i hope I'm not cheating but so much good stuff here to think about legolas and gimli are talking they've left 
Lorian. They are totally out of it down the river, and they are chatting about how great Lorian is. And Gimli says, uh, Tell me, Legolas, why did I come on this quest? Little did I know where the chief peril lay. Truly, Elrond spoke, saying that we could not foresee what we might meet upon our road. Torment in the dark was the danger that I feared, and it did not hold me back. But I would not have come had I known the danger of light and joy. Now I have taken my worst wound in this parting, even if I were to go this night straight to the Dark Lord. Alas for Gimli, son of Gloin. Nay, said Legolas, alas for us all, and for all that walk the world in these afterdays. For such is the way of it, to find and lose, as it seems to those whose boat is on the running stream. Yeah. I don't, you don't know, need do to I say, say anything. That's what a, a perfect encapsulation of the theme we've been talking about here. It's dwarf and elf together in a dialogue. Yeah. You live in a world that is dying, and um, there is a sadness in that all those good things don't uh, last. Uh, in a way, that's in a way, grappling with that is much harder than going to face uh, the outright evil thing and dangerous thing right away. So. Yeah. And that's what I meant too when I said one of the characters calls out yeah. the river. <laughs> Quite explicitly. Uh, yeah. Explicitly. So good for you, Legolas. Legolas would make a great addition to this podcast. Oh, yeah. He would be great at water watch. <laughs> he... I'm sure he would. I've been uh, slacking on that a little bit. I just figured people were tired of hearing about it. What about you? Favorite line? Oh, you know what, Charlie? Favorite line? I'll give you three favorite lines. So here we go. <laughs> Number one. Number one is... Uh, the poem, I think it's my, one of my favorite lines in the book. Uh, but if of ships I now should sing, what ship would come to me? What ship would bear me ever back across so wide a sea? I feel that it's just very powerful. Number two, I think is also Gladru. Um, when she's given Frodo the file of, of uh, Arendil's star, she says, It is caught the light of Arendil's star, set amid the waters of my fountain. It will shine still the brighter when night is about you. May it be a light to you in dark places when all of your lights go out. I think that's also just, wow, that's uh, the imagery of all other lights go out. Uh, That's very intense. Mm, Um, And then at the very end, I I liked this line when it was in kind of the same motif was used in uh, one of the previous chapters. Suddenly the river swept round a bend and the banks rose upon either side and the light of Lorien was hidden. To that fair land, Frodo never came again. Yeah. And it's just very factual like oh that character doesn't know that and you know aragorn never comes back to Lorien, and here just you know another gut punch you know frodo never comes back yeah it's just a fact and it's like wow so yeah those are my three three golden hairs for you <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> i'm really looking forward to somebody starting a podcast about this podcast where they analyze how significant it is that pip gives <laughs> lines. and who asked you once for a favorite line and you refused <laughs> that's what i want to know who's you <laughs> i have done that so i'm both feanor and gimli <laughs> um, um a lot of significance symbolism there i always think though by the way i just want to point this out to the audience pip and i actually do not script these favorite line things like actually i do not know his favorite line when we start this and he does not know mine and one thing I think is interesting is that we seem to have, up to this point, never picked the same thing. So I think yeah. that's kind of cool. I, I don't think, think maybe once. I was thinking about this, though, the once. other day, that we haven't seemed to... Maybe once? Okay. Well, for the most part, we do pretty good about that. 
anyway which is yeah i think a testament to the quality of the writing here it's plenty to pick um so next week we're going on book two chapter nine the great river all right join us next time the great river 